once saw an author speak about how stories are told, and, and in the midst of it, he said, uh, you're walking down the street and you see a man looking up at the buildings isn't a story. But if the same story is you're walking down the street and you see a man looking up the buildings and he has rock climbing equipment on, now we have a story. Every story has the spot in it where, where, where what we're looking at is, can it happen and should it happen and, and why would I want it to happen? And your life has the same thing. You're part of, well, frankly, your, your story. And, and the reason I'm going with this is because when I was a kid, there were Christmas specials all the time. And they always had this thing called Christmas magic in them. Like maybe you were supposed to trump up enough belief in Christmas magic to make bells ring or something like that to make Christmas magic happen. But the reason they're not believable and the reason that they're fluff is because there's no rock climbing equipment. There's no spot in which our souls look and say, can it and will it happen? Because the human story is one that has depths and your story is one that has depths. Your story is one that has challenges. The places where you, the story's in doubt and you don't even know if it'll work out. You have spots where maybe your, your illness or maybe the pain you're working through or maybe your relationships or maybe your family, as Rob was saying, or maybe your family in the house you're living in and, and, and all the places in between. Wherever we meet you today and wherever you've come and, and to be a part, we want to say Merry Christmas to you, not because of Christmas magic, but because the King has come. We want to say Merry Christmas to you because this story matters because of the depths. This story matters because there has to be an answer to the pain. There has to be an answer to the brokenness and to the oppression. And so wherever you come in this Merry Christmas as the days continue to darken, we want to celebrate with you because the King has come. You, you may be seated. Children, you guys may head off to Children's Church. Have a great time. Take care of our teachers. We like them. Be good to them. Say Merry Christmas to them. All right. Well, today is one of my favorites um, because while speaking of storytellers, one of the best storytellers I know uh, I've asked to speak with us today is when, when we plan out Christmas, I, I, wanted, I wanted to get, you know, who are the men and women who, if we can have them speak to you, what they will say will challenge us and, and will, will spark, spark hope and light and all those things. And so I don't want to do that thing, though, where if someone's told you a movie was the best movie ever and they raise up the hype so much it can never be that good. But she's actually that good. So if you will, welcome with me, uh, Amy Seifert, and she's going to speak today about Christmas. Thank you. Steve, good morning. How we doing? I have a dear friend who bought me some gingery lemonade tea goodness because I am like, is anybody battling some like junk today, like some, is sinusy, just me, that's fine. Um, I'm going to put this down right here. Ooh, okay. Um, well, good morning, you guys. We are in our third week of Advent. Um, and I, what I love about the Christmas season is that it, it's actually as if we're unwrapping Christmas itself together. 
when we come here um, on Sunday mornings. Like, like we're taking off bows and ribbons and, and wrapping paper and we're, we're peering into boxes and bags and we're seeing what Christmas is all about. It's so good. And, and there's so much to unwrap when it comes to Christmas with faith and unwrapping joy and unwrapping hope. Um, so as Steve said, if you are joining us this morning, something I love about our church is that we are bringers and we are inviters. We, we love to, to come together as family and, and worship God and hear his word, but we also like to invite and bring others into this space to experience God with us. So if you have been brought or invited or you're just checking us out on your own, we are so thankful that you're here. We honor your journey and every step is really important. So, so thanks for being here with us. Um, so with that said, can I tell you about my yogurt maker? At home? Yes. Um, we have a yogurt maker and the Seifert household, we go through yogurt really quickly. We make yogurt about every three days and it's creamy and delicious and it's full of the best like yogurty goodness you can imagine. And it's, it's actually pretty easy to, to make yogurt. It, there was like a learning curve for a little while, but I think I've got it down. Um, you just take a half gallon of milk and you heat it up to about 185 degrees. And then once it's heated up, you let it cool down to 100, degree, 100 degrees. And then you take that milk and you add the yogurt starter and then that will make the yogurt. You put that in your yogurt maker and it sits on your counter for 24 hours and the yogurt maker like does all the magic. Like that's your part and it does that part. And when, you're, when it's done, you have this half gallon of amazing probiotic gut healing yogurt. And this kind of feels like a commercial right now. It's not, though I love my Louvelle Pro Plus 24 hour yogurt maker. You can ask me later. So one afternoon, the yogurt maker beeped. It beeps at you when it's done, 24 hours, beep. And I went over to it in the kitchen. And as I was taking it out, it looked a little um, sloshy, if you will. Like, the, it didn't seem like it was yogurt. Like, it seemed a little milky, a little thin. And I thought to myself, um, I think this is just hot, sour, gross milk that sat on my counter for 24 hours. And I realized someone forgot to put in the yogurt starter that makes it, ha like makes the yogurt happen. And when I say someone, it was this girl. Like, I, I forgot the yogurt starter. And when I realized it, I do this thing, it's like a toddler move, but I'm still doing it. I'm 40. I put my hands over my head like this, like, uh, like when I blow it, you know, when a toddler is like, I just stood there and I was like, no, why, why, why? Like, cause not only did I waste money, I wasted yogurt time, right? Now it's gonna be another 24 hours. And my husband happens to also rob our worship pastor guy. He happens to be in the kitchen as well. And this is what happens while I'm standing there. I hear him come over to me and he just wraps his arms around me like I'm still doing this. And he says, babe, it's okay, we can make another batch of yogurt. <laughs> like some kind of yogurt starter hero, like coming to save the yogurt day. It felt so like, 
Yes, thank you. And I'm telling you all this about my yogurt maker because it's this moment that has stuck in my head because, because right there in that, in that kitchen moment, it felt like an echo of how God is with us. This, this everyday moment, it just felt like this is how God treats us. And, and Christmas really allows us to see Eden, echoes of the garden. Because this is how it goes, it's how it's, it's always been since the beginning, since, since the garden, right? Where, where Adam and Eve, humanity is enjoying their life with God. I mean, they are literally living their best life in the beginning. And then they make some poor choices and they blow it and they hide in their shame and fig leaves and all the things. But then God, God from the beginning has always been moving in to be with us, with us in our hiding, with us in our shame, with us in our, our mess, over and over. He moves in to be with us. That's the story. That's what he's been telling us for thousands of years, from the beginning of the garden to the end, the, the last one in Revelation. What he's been telling in your life, if you're willing to look, he's been moving in to be with us. So as we are 10 days from Christmas, y'all, you guys feeling ready? I'm like, kind of. Um, we're 10 days from Christmas. We really want to consider what it means that God is with us, that he came to be in our world. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1. If you have your Bible, turn there. If not, it's always on the screen. Um, Matthew, who wrote this one, he was a tax collector, and he recorded the life of Jesus. He's one of the four writers of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And this is what he writes. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, fancy word for engaged, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, because he was like, it's not my baby, what's happening? He's a good guy. You see this? He's a just man. He doesn't want to put her to shame. He resolved to divorce her quietly. Like, this isn't going to work. But as Joseph considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. I love that God said, I am going to speak into this situation. He's going to need some help. And in the dream, the angel said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Don't fear. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And this is in the book Isaiah. You can look it up on your own. It says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's in the parentheses there. When Joseph woke up from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. He did not know her until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. If you, if you actually look at the Greek, or, or the Hebrew, sorry, the Hebrew word Emmanuel, in the, in the original, the, the beginning, the I am, actually means with. And at the end, Emmanuel, the E-L, means God. It's literally the with us God. That's the name Emmanuel. So God, he didn't just create the world. 
and set it into motion and say, good luck, as we try to flounder and, and live about. He actually created us to be in communion with him, to be in friendship and fellowship and relationship with him. He wanted to be with us. So when everything broke in the garden, he didn't just leave it that way. He actually wanted to be the solution, to be the rescuer, to be with us. Friends, he came to be near, to be with. But I think this begs the question this morning, how is God with you today, right here in these seats, in the middle of your life, 10 days till Christmas? How is he with us in this season? Because what if you don't feel him? Is he still with us? Right? Or, or what if it feels like, feels like you, you know, trying to reach out to him and you feel like all you're getting is an out-of-office reply back from God? Right? Or, or Steve just alluded to this, the holidays can feel hard. We are missing loved ones. Um, and the idea of God being with you can feel really hard to grab onto. Or maybe you just have a lot of big feelings when it comes to Christmas. Does anybody like have big feelings? This is me. I have a lot of big feels. I get excited and, and then I have, you know, just a variety of things. So I wanted to let you know what I do with my big feels when it comes to Christmas. I have a practice in the, in the season. It's, it's called, I, I try to ride the fact, faith, feeling, polar express. This is what I'm doing. Is it up there? Yes. I always fear for that child. It seems like they're not, they're going to make it. It's fine. Um, the fact, faith, feeling, polar express. So this is what I mean with my feelings. I want to honor them. I want to feel my feelings. They are valid. They are good, but they are not allowed to drive my train. I'm not going to let that happen. And so I actually want facts to drive me around. I want those to be the engine. And then I want to put my faith in these facts. And then, yes, feelings, come along. You're so welcome, but you're the caboose. Like, we're not, that's, that's what's happening here. So I need some facts, some truths about Emmanuel so that I can put my faith in those facts and then my feelings can follow because my train derails when my feelings drive. Is that just me, or is that anybody with the, uh, yes, when you raise your hand, I just feel love, thank you. Um, so I'm inviting you to the Polar Express this morning, my fact, faith, feeling. We're going to look at some truths about God. In fact, I have found five important places where God is Emmanuel. God is with us. And my prayer, I have been praying for every single one of you in this seat this morning, that one of these places would speak to you. I'm not expecting all of them, but one of them. And if I haven't met you yet, or even if I know you, tell me which one spoke to you, because I'm expecting God to speak to you this morning. The first place that God is Emmanuel is that he, God is with us in our shame. This picture um, is sort of my rendition of the Garden of Eden, what it may or may not have looked like. And I just said this, but back in the beginning, when God created everything, he was with us in the goodness of the garden. He was with us. But then he was with us in our shame. When they ate the fruit of the tree in the Garden of Eden that they, they weren't supposed to, and then they hid themselves and they were ashamed. Watch this. This is what happens in the book of Genesis, which Genesis just means beginning. This is what it says. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? 
And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. But you guys see this? Right from the beginning, even when they hid, God moved in to be with them. That was his response. He wasn't like, uh, no. He came for them. He walked toward them. He called out to them in their mess, in their shame. And maybe you need to know this morning that God is not repulsed by you. God is not disgusted by you. He's not put off by you, by whatever's going on here. He's always been willing to get down in the muck of your life. If you remember Jesus in the last days, he kneels down in front of his disciples and he gets down in the dirt and he washes their feet. Jesus gets down into the dirt of their life. He's not afraid of whatever is going on with our mess. He wants to redeem us, restore us, wash us us clean and say, come sit with me at my table. He's with you in your most shameful place, whatever that is, whatever those thoughts you're having or things you keep saying that you don't want to, whatever that pattern is, he's moving in. The second place that we find that he is with us is in the valley. This is a picture of the uh, Death Valley in, in National Park in California. And Psalm 23, David, King David, he writes um, for us about God being Emmanuel with us in the shadowed places, in the valley, in the grief, in the valley of death, he calls it. And Again, I know that grief can be an unexpected guest that likes to knock whenever it wants, especially in the holiday season, and come sit down with you, and there you are, walking through this. I want to encourage you. Psalm 23, 4 says this. David writes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are Emmanuel. You are with me. He's with you. This holiday season, this valley, wherever there is darkness and you desperately need light. Psalm 34 says God is near to the brokenhearted. He's with you. So this season, when things feel maybe sad or overwhelming or hard, make it your Christmas mantra, God is with me. Say it over and over. Emmanuel is here. Coach your soul into what is true for your fact, faith, feeling dream. The third place he is with us is in the desert. This is the Negev Desert in Israel. And when you hear desert, you might think of the verb to desert or to abandon or leave, especially at a crucial moment when you're needed. Or or you might think of the noun desert with like tumbleweed and scorching heat and desolate landscape, like, or you're thinking of deserts in your life that feel dry and you're thirsty and you you are in need. I think what's amazing that so much of the Bible was written or lived in regions of the world that were considered deserts. And so I think it's amazing that that's where in all the world God chose to show up and be is in the desert. He's the with us God there. I mean, if you look at the history, the Israelites were set free from captivity in the desert. 
Moses was called by God through a burning bush in the desert. Elijah was in the desert when God sent birds to feed him. And David sought God in a dry and weary land where there was no water. Jesus entered a desert before he announced the ministry on earth. God does not desert us in the desert. He doesn't. David reminds us that even when we can't see him, he's still there. David writes in Psalm 63, this is an encouragement for you in the desert. He says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and leery, weary land where there is no water. And then he starts to recall his experience with God when he's in this desert. That's also helpful. I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life, then my lips will praise you. He's like, you know what? He's here. He says, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. If you ever see anybody lifting their hands in worship, we're, we're following David's footsteps there. I just want to encourage you, if you are in a dry season with God, the thing about God is that he has always allowed his people to experience the desert. He always has. That's, he, he trains us in the desert. He changes us in the desert. He sustains us in the desert. Like God is always doing something in the desert. Be encouraged if you find yourself there. The fourth place is that he is with us in the waiting. He's Emmanuel in the waiting. Waiting might be the hardest thing for me to do. Like it's, it's always been hard since I was a little girl. Is, is anybody else bad at waiting? Is that? Yes. Thank you. My dad laughs. That's yep. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, if you're good at waiting, talk to me afterwards. I want, I want your tips and tricks. Waiting. If you, if you are single, you might be waiting to have, to, to find someone, right? Or, or if you're married, you might be waiting to have kids. Or if you have kids, you might be waiting for them to walk or talk or go to school or go to bed, you know, whatever it looks like. Maybe you're waiting on a promotion or you're waiting on a diagnosis or you're waiting for your marriage to get better or you're waiting for a job to get better or you're waiting for anything to get better, right? You might be waiting. I want to encourage you. He is Emmanuel even in the waiting. That's our God. The Advent season means waiting. It's this, this coming and preparation of the Savior. And even in that, Mary and Joseph themselves, they experienced God with them in the waiting. Joseph, after he was um, told his fiance was pregnant with not his kiddo, after, after Jesus was born, he, he waited to consummate his marriage until after the Savior was born. That's an honorable wait. I bet it wasn't easy. For Mary, God was literally inside of her as she was waiting for his arrival. He was, he was growing something beautiful inside of her as she waited. He's doing beautiful things in the waiting. I love how Isaiah 40 puts it, and I, this is one of my favorite verses. It says, but they who wait for the Lord, there's some promises here, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. 
Ooh, I need that. God has strength and sustenance for you in the waiting. Look at that. There's strength there in the waiting. The fifth and last place that God is with us is always, which kind of feels like, am I cheating? Like just this blanket statement. No, I want to show you what this means. I love it. Um, Before Jesus left the earth, he said some famous last words. And so we started in Matthew 1 this morning. and, And in Matthew 28, the last chapter, Jesus is about to leave. He says, He's he's telling his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's kind of stating his kingship here. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And then he says this, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So he was about to leave them, but then he told them he would be with them always. Like he's leaving, but he's staying, like he's going to stay. What's happening? Like you read that, you're like, it's kind of confusing. Let's look at this. He actually told them prior to this moment, he had a conversation with his disciples. He said, it would be to their advantage that he would leave. He said, because he's going to be sending a replacement, the Holy Spirit, that is going to be closer than him next to them at the table. In fact, every human that follows Jesus would then have the Holy Spirit inside of them always with you wherever you go. That the Holy Spirit would take up residence to produce fruit in you, like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. That the Holy Spirit would illuminate scripture so that you can understand what it's saying. That the Holy Spirit inside of us would give us wisdom on which way to go. He talks, he has that conversation with the disciples in John chapter 16. So not only is he Emmanuel, the with us God, but he's in us, which is about as close as you can get, right? How intimate and beautiful of him. He's given us access to him in every possible way. But sometimes it gets really noisy in our souls. It gets cluttery and we've got to carve out some time to just breathe and practice knowing the Spirit is with us and asking Him to fill us, to be still, to clear the way, right? Well, as I wrap up our time, and if we've, if we've, we've talked about and explored the with us, God, I have a question for us in the last 10 days of Christmas. What does it look like for us then to be the with God us? He's the with us God. He's he's with us. But what if we were the with God us? Will you be a person who slows down, moves in, turns toward God who has moved toward you? Because the very definition of with, when you think about it, is to say that people and things are together. Like there's, there's, there's a mutuality to with, that he's with you and then we move in to be with him. What if this Advent season, often throughout your day, you stop and you turn to God and you say, God, I want to be with you here. I want to be with you here. Because I don't, if you're anything like me, often I can get sidetracked. If I, if I don't practice, if I'm not mindful, if I'm not thinking about it, I, I do some other things. I want to do things for God or I want to ask uh, for things from him. I do the for and the from and I, I'm... I have to practice being with, just with, to simply enjoy him, not perform for him, 
right? Not accomplish things, not lead a great community group time for him, but to just be with him. And so lately for me, that has meant taking some long walks, even in the cold, I'll bundle up. And I have a couple of trails in town, also in the parks in Ohio, and I'll just take a walk with him. Maybe I'll put in some worship music. And I love to be among the trees that are so much bigger than me and my problems. And I like feeling the smallness and the, and the greatness. And, the, and it's just good to enjoy God on these walks. Like, like you would with a friend. Like I love walking with a friend and catching up. Or, or your spouse or even your kids, which is a great way to think about that. I love it when my kids help me around the house and do things for me. That's great. But I also love just being with them snuggling with them, reading with them, playing ping pong with them and beating them. You know, like I love that. <laughs> it's, gonna, it's close, we're getting close here. In two years, he says he'll beat me. Um, <laughs> what does it look like for us to move in with him? Because I, for me with my kids, I wanna move in to be close with them and I want them to move in to be close with me. So I want to challenge you in the rest of this Christmas season, where could you embrace being with him? Is it taking a walk? Like plan a date and take a walk with God. Is it sitting in stillness and silence? There's a group of us that are practicing 10 minutes a day of stillness and silence. Shutting it off, getting as quiet as you can, and clearing out the way to be aware and abide and remain with God. If you want to do that, let me know. Let Steve know. We can, you can join us. Or maybe it's meditating on his name, Emmanuel, the with us, God, over and over, a few minutes each day. Friends, whatever you choose as an Advent practice, it's not too late, but whatever you choose, may we know the with us God. And may we be the with God, us. I'm going to pray for us as the band makes their way forward. God, thank you for this morning and the gathering of men and women to think about your season, to think about the gifts, to think about the name that you were called, Emmanuel, how important and beautiful that you aren't a far-off God that is unreachable and unattainable and we have to work our way toward in some way with good works and good deeds. That's not who you are. You came down to be with us. You took on flesh. You moved into the neighborhood. You chose to be with us. And that is different than any other religion that we, that we know. You are the king that became a human. It's so good. God, would you help us to be people who practice moving in with you? Would you show us how to do that? Would you show us how to clear out the noise and that we would enjoy you this Advent season? Amen. Our Father in heaven, would you teach us to be the with you people? Would you teach us how to still our hearts, how to make space, how to practice diligently the way that causes our hearts to be open to you and ready for you? Father, I ask that you would be with our 
families and our children and, and our Christmas and, and, and all the things that are coming. Father, would you be not just uh, making a Merry Christmas and not just bringing joy and not just bringing that profound sense of well-being we're looking for, but would you be bringing hope to us and would you be teaching us how to place our hearts in a position of expectancy and be ready for you. Thank you. Father, would you bless this coming week as we, as we continue to prepare in Advent. Would you allow us to be ponderous of the mystery that's here, that we would not just be locked into the everyday and the mundane, and that we would not entertain and, and make noise to make it go away, but would you allow our hearts to rise to see something greater? Thanks. Amen. So much. You can be seated for just a moment. Um, we have a few announcements to close. Uh, first one is these things on the seat. These are our comment cards because we want to get to know you. Uh, that's always a funny thing though because there's this fear if I sign my name on the dotted line, you know, do I have to use blood? Is that a, is that a real thing? Um, it just gives us a chance to follow up. When we're in a congregation this size, there's always the fear that you're going to get lost. There's a fear that maybe you'll, you'll drop through, that you'll be missed, and we do not want it. So if you'd be willing to, to fill out a comment card, to you know, let us know how we can get to know you better, how we can help you jump in. Uh, we don't just want you on board this ship. We want to we give you that opportunity that you'll be helping us run it. That you're, uh, that you're gifting your talent, your personality, the things that God has made, that they will be part of what makes this place awesome. And so if you would, comment cards. The others are much more uh, simple. So we've, uh, I don't know if we have the slide with the, the dates on it, the December to remember. It's like a car commercial. There it is. Um, well, uh, December 11th has passed us by. So moving on to de uh, December 22nd, which is in one week, we will be having our annual congregational meeting. We'll be vote voting on our budget there. Uh, we had enough people that we realized would not be here that day that we did not want to do something as sacred as vote for elders when not a lot of us could be here. So I talked with Dan and, and, and Dan, kind of a Dan squared elder thing going on here. Um, we thought we would like to postpone the elder vote to January as something that we could maybe do more all together. Um, no alarm, no, no bad thing going on. Um, uh, we have required Dan Ketterman shave, though, which has been weird for him. He's not sure. I did find recently, by the way, this is, a, this is news to some of us, that is not, his name is not from Young Life. I didn't know that. I thought he was Dan from Young Life, but he complained to me bitterly about it, that he's apparently Ketterman, so you have to call him that now. But uh, we will be voting on all these things. Next week, please, if you're, if you're in town, please come, stick around. It, it is, uh, for those who are members of the church, we vote, we'll be voting on the budget, which we have a copy of, a paper copy of on the, at the table, I assume, yes? I'm not seeing, yes, I'm getting the thumbs up back there, okay. Um, so uh, official form, format for this is a week before we give you a proposed budget, and then you can come back, you can look it over, and we'll discuss it, and then we'll vote on it. That's next week. Um, also very controversial in our church, if you get the Tuesday texts, we're not sure if Christmas Eve is December 25th or the 24th. So we're going to go ahead. They all say the 25th, but I think this year we're going to go ahead and celebrate Christmas Eve on the 24th. Which could be great, which could be really, really good. Um, that'll be here. We're very excited about it at 5.30. And then um, on the 29th, no service. Uh, and then finally, on Valentine's Day weekend, we are having our One Another retreat. It is for all adults. That is everybody who has finished high school. And maybe even if you're in high school and you really want to come. Sorry, you're not an adult, man. Ethan's really bummed about this over here. But... Uh, 
we, we didn't just want to do like a married people thing or something or a parents thing. We really want everybody who considers themselves us to be excited about doing it. And signups are in the back. And that is all. Merry Christmas to you. We'll see you next week.